Do you not just love Nehemiah? It is so rich, isn't it? There's some precious, precious stuff in there. When I was given chapter, uh, yeah, chapter six to do, it was like, oh, I love this one. This whole passage is just amazing for where we are as a minster. It's just so spot on. The thing that keeps coming to me today, though, I want to start with is, we need to be a people that raise a hallelujah. We need to be a people that shout out and proclaim Jesus. Because this is what Nehemiah was doing. Not Jesus, but his God, Yahweh. And we need to be those same kind of people, those passionate people, so focused, so with our hearts on fire that nothing can distract us from what God has called us to. Are we those people? Are we? Are you on fire for him? Are you so alight for him that it's like nothing else matters? Is God your priority? Because when we follow him, God is our priority. Not our husbands, not our children, not even our ministry. God is our priority. That's who we look to. And out of that, then everything else flows. This subject that we're going to be talking about today has claimed many believers. It's shipwrecked them. It's destroyed marriages. It's split churches. It's put people on the outside and sidelined them when actually they should be at the very heart of what their church, their people, their communities are doing. It's serious damage amongst the people of God. Needless casualties. So we need to be awake and listening to God for what he's saying. We need to be awake people. But not just awake, but listening, alive with him. Because this opposition is insidious. It's subtle. And we need to be resisting the schemes of the enemy. Which is this what's about. Just outside Jerusalem in the barren Judean wilderness... Jesus was tempted. A great battle was fought it's in Matthew 4, 1 to 11. It's not a battle of armies, of soldiers, and for land. It's a battle for the territory of the heart, the mind, the will, and destiny. That was the battle that was being fought when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Jesus was met by Satan himself three times he came to him, talking about food, about obedience, about glory. But what was he really after? He was after Jesus' will, his witness and his testimony. And Jesus resisted. And because of Jesus, we are sanctified, justified, saved, with a way back to the Father. And notice when the devil came, he came just after Jesus had fasted for 40 days, when he was vulnerable, when he was weak, when he felt like, <sighs> but it was also just after Jesus had been baptized and he'd had his greatest affirmation. 
when the dove came down and landed on him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yes, well pleased. What an affirmation. And then he's tempted. He knew he was loved. So Satan came to stop him in his tracks and stop him fulfilling his call. And what was Jesus' answer to this? It is written. It is written. We're going to be coming back to that again. So, Nehemiah. He was a government official. He wasn't born in Jerusalem, but he traveled there to rally a people around a common vision. He answered the call on his life, on his heart. To build a wall that had been broken for 150 years. I often wonder sometimes if other people had been called and then not answered that call. But Nehemiah answered that call. And not only did he answer the call in his own life, he managed to rally a whole group of people to come and rebuild that wall. In earlier chapters, we see that the first battle was with military opposition, who rallies people around service and warfare. The second, discord in the camp, he saves them from himself. But now we come to the more subtle schemes. The first one is distraction through fear and enticement. Nehemiah 6, 1, 2. They heard the wall had been built, so they sent a messenger. Come, let us meet in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. I love that. Do you not think the clue's in the name? Plain of Ono. Uh-oh. Even little ones, that's probably one of the first things they say is, uh-oh, isn't it? Oh no. And it's a dangerous place as well. It's not a safe place to travel to. It's 20 miles outside of Jerusalem. Uh-oh. We need to be aware that not all invites come from God and the Holy Spirit. We need to be so, so clear on that. Not everything comes from God. Nehemiah's response, no, I can't go down to you because I'm involved in a great work. I don't have time to be distracted. I don't have time to be distracted. But these political leaders four times sent the same request because they realized that military might hadn't worked, drama in the camp hadn't worked, so now they're using bling, aren't they? Come and meet with us. We're political leaders. It sounds good, doesn't it? That invite, it's so enticing. They're using bling, something else. No. How many of us would have accepted? How many of us would have looked at that and thought, oh, I would love to be in the company of that person? I would just love it. How many of us have accepted invites that we're not meant to and have been broken by them? 
because they sounded good at the beginning. But Nehemiah was emotionally secure and mature. There's something about emotional security, isn't there? There's something about growing up in him, in Christ, that actually brings us to a different place. That's what we're all going for. That's what we're all walking for. That's what we're journeying towards. That security in Christ where nothing else matters. I think if we're all honest, we want affirmation from others, don't we? Do you know, would I love you to tell me that, yeah, Tom, you did a good talk there. Would that make me feel good? Yes, it would. And that's me being honest. How many of us have got similar things where we just want somebody to say that to us? But the beauty of being Christians is that with Jesus, he's the one who comes to us and says, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased before we've done everything. That's where our security has to be. I am doing a great work. No, I will not be sidetracked. He had a focused heart and clear priorities. Jesus had a focused heart with clear priorities as well. I was looking at Matthew 16, 21 and 23. And it's an interesting passage in this context. We find Peter, who'd been affirmed by Jesus a couple of verses earlier, saying, blessed are you. And upon my church, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. Whoa. A little bit later, Peter's saying, don't go to the cross, Jesus. Don't go to the cross. And what's Jesus' reply? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because he knew that Peter's heart wasn't focused on the things of God. He knew where he was at. And for me, that just shows that none of us are immune to that. None of us are immune. But again, we're called back to that place of focused heart, clear priorities. So verse 5, so the fifth time Sambalat sent an aid with the same message and an unsealed letter. Second attack that's subtle. This is about defamation of character. In those times, a sealed letter was given to an aid to be delivered to somewhere else. That meant that nobody on the route could read the letter. It was only opened by the intended recipient. And if the seal was broken, they knew that others had read it. So sending it in an unsealed letter meant that anybody could read it. The person who was carrying it could read it. Emdy on the route could read it. It's the equivalent of putting falsehoods on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all of those multimedia platforms that we've got now and waiting for it to go viral. That's what he was doing when he sent it unsealed. It was an absolute insult to him. Two responses by Nehemiah. Nothing of what you are saying is even happening. 
vocal truth. Then he prayed. We've already seen how much prayer means to Nehemiah. He prays and he prays and he prays and he prays. He prays and fasts. But he doesn't stop praying. Every step of the way, prayer is at the heart of everything that he does. He's so precious because he knows that the ongoing conversation with God is important. If I didn't have an ongoing conversation with Jem, I'd never know what he was up to. I'd never know what he was in, in his heart. <laughs> but we need to be talking to God, don't we? Which essentially is what prayer is. It's like, how are you doing this morning? Come and talk with me. Come and walk with me. And he does every single time. And even when we don't realize that we're hearing God, we are hearing it because we are being changed. Nehemiah understood that, that ongoing conversation. Teach me, God. Show me. And that's how he knew he was loved. That's how he grew in security. So second response is beautiful. And I love this. He didn't pray for deliverance from what was going on, but rather strengthen my hands. It wasn't about being taken out of the situation. It was about being strengthened in the situation. Sometimes it's too easy to say, God, take me out of this. When our hearts are really sore, when we want things to change, we pray, God, take me out of this. But sometimes our prayer needs to be, strengthen me in the middle of it. Strengthen me in the middle of it. Is that what God's asking of you? Is that the prayer that God's asking of you? Strengthen my hands in the middle of it. When it seems hard, when it seems rough, Stay standing, stay focused with clear priorities. Let your heart be molded by me. Grow, grow by staying here. Whoa. Where has God called you? Has he called you here? Then ask him to strengthen your hands because you're going to need it. We are in a battle. Our songs today have been about battle. But more than that, it's about praising God and our focus being on him and not on the battle. It's about our praises being lifted up and our hallelujahs being raised and that shouts of victory again and again and again. You have called me here and I will stay. Strengthen me, Lord. The final scheme in this chapter, verse 10, deception. A prophet invited Nehemiah to his house and offered him safe haven in the temple. 
Now that sounds okay, doesn't it? Sanctuary in the temple. Wrong, let's close the doors. Come on, I'll look after you. That sounds reasonable. But because Nehemiah understood it is written, he knew that to go into the temple, only the priests were allowed. This was dangerous, dangerous. It is written. In 2 Chronicles 26, King Uzziah, so he's a king who was not a priest, went into the temple and God instantly struck him with leprosy. It is written. So he seeks to persuade Nehemiah into an easygoing, compromising religion that will shirk persecution, that will carry no cross and is governed by the fear of others. Oh, you know, sometimes that feels nice, doesn't it? It's like, I want no responsibility. I actually can't be bothered being in this place anymore. How many of us have felt like that? Felt that on our hearts? But again and again, I know for me, God calls me back and says, do not compromise what I have placed within you. For each and every one of us here, do not compromise what God has placed within you. Because you're incredible. You are amazing. You are wonderful. Because it's all about the God who is in you. It's all about the spirit that lives in you. That preciousness. Do not compromise we need to be careful who we're listening to, don't we? Who are you listening to? Who have you got around you? Never put all yes men around you. People will just go yes. Never put people around you who only tell you what you want to hear. We need discernment. Because discernment dispels deception. It unmasks it, which at the moment we all want to be out of our masks, don't we? It unmasks it. I've heard it described as static in your soul. Something just doesn't feel right. We need to learn to trust our guts. We need to learn to trust that static and question it. And talk to others around us who aren't yes men. Who won't just give us what we want to hear. That's why we're together as a family. That's why you're called here. So how do you grow in discernment? Through prayer. That constant conversation. By knowing his word and what's written in it. It is written. The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb he called me by name. He made my words as sharp as a sword. With his own right hand he will protect me. I know I'm called before my birth. Do you know you're called before your birth even? 
Do you know you have a call on your life from even before you were born? It is written. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We need a sensitivity to the Spirit around us. How do we get that? By placing ourselves in situations where we can receive. Where the Holy Spirit's at work. In our own living rooms. Even when you go to the loo. He's everywhere. But it's that place of surrender. That place of his spirit being given permission. Do you know that as believers we are as bold as lions? It is written. I'm not asking you to roar. Although I would love to hear that. (sighs) But we need to find the roar in the places that we are called to. Be that your church, be that your work, be that your community, be that your family. We need to grow that roar so it's so loud that it cannot be mistaken for anything else other than the roar of the righteous that are called by Christ. I read somewhere when it was talking about the lions, tough and tender, soft palms, sharp claws, Soft palms, because we love people, because we're ready to receive, because we're surrendered. The sharp claws, because we're ready for battle. Don't mess with us. Don't mess with God's anointed. Are you ready to roar? Everybody looks at me again going, no. (sighs) These schemes are so subtle. Are you ready to roar? Are you ready to raise a hallelujah? Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you listening? This is the day. This is the day.